Hey. Right. Um, thank you all for uh, inviting me to speak. I haven't uh, been with you all physically since our our marvelous uh, ceremony uh, not so long ago. When was that? November. Anyway, we had fun. Um, can can people hear me? Okay. Just, I wanted to mention um, Linda's words reminded me uh, that my beloved former physician, uh, who was so instrumental in uh, teaching me about self-care for my, my chronic condition, Long ago, he he taught me that, uh, he said, uh, even in stage four cancer, the body is always moving towards health. And I thought that was very helpful, very important. Um, you're, I'm very impressed with your camera work. <laughs> You're so much more sophisticated than we are with these nifty fade-ins and fade-outs. And also, I don't know if you know, but when the lights are turned down for Zazen, there's a marvelous, uh, well, in fact, I can still see it. It's like uh, when you're watching a landscape and clouds are passing over the sun, so there's these waves of, of shadow that go over the picture, which is quite marvelous to watch. I don't know if you're doing that deliberately, but it really looks great. I don't know if you can see that, but it's very um, restful. So uh, probably, as you know, the um, well, one quite common understanding uh, is that Buddha's supreme teaching is the teaching of emptiness. Yeah. And... Um, There is a variety of opinions and uh, some different uh, flavors of that teaching. But um, uh, essentially, as I'm sure you all know by now, um, uh, phenomena, all phenomena in our uh, experience, in our world are without uh, substantial and permanent own being, as it's called. So not only persons lack uh, that kind of stable entityhood, but also objects. And another way this is sometimes said is that uh, all phenomena dependently co-arise. You've probably heard that before, too. Uh, every phenomenal existence, every phenomenal expression is dependent upon others. 
and uh, no being and no object has some kernel of stable or permanent identity. And this was a, a tremendous insight that Shakyamuni Buddha had and passed on to us. Um, so if that is the supreme teaching, then well, what are we to do? Uh, probably we can't just uh, uh, parade up and down proclaiming emptiness. That's probably not going to be very useful and may even get us in trouble. I mean, you could try it, see what happens. But probably... You know, we will be lumped in with um, uh, uh, all sorts of um, people who are considered nuts and who get up on the soapbox and start preaching something or other. And even though we or you might be proclaiming the supreme teaching of Buddhism, uh, it's kind of hard to hear unless... There's some preparation. So if we're not going to do that, then what are we to do as people of the way or as students, as devotees of the Buddha Dharma? Well, With this supreme and powerful teaching as background, our um, our main responsibility, our main undertaking, is the reduction of suffering. to lessen the suffering of other beings. And then naturally we we reflect on, well, how do we go about doing that? Sometimes the impulse is uh, to uh, kind of uh, get very busy and try to um, adjust various circumstances. Uh, practical circumstances so that people are happy. And that can be quite useful and quite necessary. Um, uh, someone might say, uh, could you get me a glass of water or a more comfortable chair? And these are all easily taken in hand. But um, that kind of uh, assistance is uh, not always necessary and not even necessarily helpful. So when that's the case, then what do we do?
the other day, I thought, uh, well, um, uh, each of us as a person of the way can bring forward a presence such that the, the uh, what do we say, the sting of the three marks of existence is reduced. What are the three marks? Anybody happen to recall? This is, this is, I realize, basic Buddhism, but these are the, this is the framework of our teaching. No self. Okay. Impermanence. The third escapes me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that the third one, <laughs> that that one would escape you? Anybody else? Thank you, Oscar. Suffering. Uh, yes. Suffering. Correct. Or Yes. So, um, Anikyata or impermanence, dukkata, or unease, um, and anatman. So, uh, impermanence of all phenomena, the uneasiness of the human circumstance, the circumstances of all sentient beings, the fundamental imbalance And the fact that there is no abiding entity. So, uh, our uh, the practice of um, you know, the practice we cultivate, the practice of sitting in stillness is a way of allowing that presence to manifest. And we bring that with us into all the circumstances of our life that we encounter. And that may be the most uh, helpful and necessary way of reducing suffering in any given circumstance. And it may not involve a single word, it may not involve saying anything. simply allowing the complete presence of uh, this being, such as it is, in the context of other beings, embodies this, um, this gift of lessening suffering. And um, other persons may not be consciously aware. In fact, it's probably better if they're not. And yet in circumstances where there is um, there's tangible suffering and unease, people are upset or 
circumstances are difficult. To the degree that that is so, the importance of our bringing our presence to bear increases. At the same time, we can fetch glasses of water, more comfortable chairs. We can sweep the floor, we can do the dishes. But in so doing, to allow this uh, presence that each of us has and that we uh, have all cultivated or allowed to be cultivated in our practice, that is a, a tremendous gift. And I would suggest that that's our, that's our job. It may not be so clear at the moment how that addresses suffering. It also may not be completely clear how that is in tune with Buddha's teaching of emptiness. But uh, as we continue to practice, that will that connection will come to seem quite natural. One of uh, Dogen's essays in his great essay collection, "Treasury of the Two Dharma Eye." is called, well, one, one translation is empty space. And the, the two Chinese characters, one of them is the character for emptiness itself. And, uh, As you may know, um, empty space is um, uh, one of the factors of existence that Buddhist meditators have made an exhaustive list of. And they they have never settled the argument over exactly how many there are, how many factors of existence are there? Well, some say there's 75 and some say there's a hundred and some say there's 108, but they tend to agree that there's one little category of factors of existence that themselves have no pieces. They themselves have no other constituents. And one of those is space. So, um, Dogen wrote, wrote this essay about space and uh, uh, he, he tells the story of uh, these two uh, Dharma brothers, one elder and one younger, Shigong uh, uh, and Shitan. 
and Shigong the elder asks his younger Dharma brother, uh, how do you grasp empty space, little brother? And uh, uh, Shitong goes, Shigong shakes his head and says, no, no, you can't grasp empty space that way. And Shitong says, well, uh, how do you do it, elder brother? And Shigong takes his little finger and sticks it in his little brother's nostril and yanks. And his little brother says, ouch, you nearly pulled my nose off. And Shigong says, now you can grasp empty space. So this uh, story brings us right back to our, our human relatedness. And the place where all of these abstract Buddhist concepts uh, actually have some life. They're not just, not just a list that somebody drew up. They, they are brought to life by us in our interactions with each other. This includes the all-important teaching on emptiness. Which is often misunderstood, even, even among some Buddhists. People think that emptiness is some kind of, uh, you know, lack. Well, it is. It's a lack of inherent existence, but... Some people think it's a uh, there's a kind of a devaluing of everything there, which is not the case. But it is is true that that these teachings, if they aren't, uh, if we aren't somehow or other embodying them in our interactions with each other, with being, all other beings, then this Buddha Dharma isn't much, is it? So really, all of our many hundreds of wonderful Zen stories and campfire tales, as I like to call them, are about bringing these teachings to life. With our presence... letting ourselves uh, come forward to be with beings in a way that lessens the sting of the three marks. Which, uh, you know, those, those three marks are the source of suffering. Whether beings realize that or not. Another story that illustrates this 
one of my favorites. Um, uh, pretty often, one of the, um, I don't know, fall guys in these stories is someone who um, uh, seems to be uh, presenting the teaching, but without the all-important uh, presence, the all-important heart, so that it becomes just a kind of abstract exercise. So there was a, um, a chap named, uh, well, it doesn't matter what he was named, but anyway, named uh, Liang. So Mr. Liang had some uh, fame as a lecturer on Buddhism, on Buddha Dharma. And... Uh, not knowing what he was in for, he went to see the great master, Matsu, Master Ma. Why? Doesn't say. Maybe he felt like, maybe he felt like he was just going through the motions. So he went to see Master Ma, and Master Ma asked him, "Also, oh, uh, your uh, you're a uh, lecturer." Yes, yes, I'm a lecturer. And well, what do you uh, what do you lecture about? Well, uh, says Mr. Liang, I, uh, I lecture about uh, emptiness and you know, the Heart Sutra. And Master Ma says, oh, is that so? Well, uh, how, do you, how do you teach emptiness? And uh, Mr. Leung says, well, I teach it from the heart, which sounds pretty good. But uh, Master Ma is not quite at, uh, at ease with that. And so he says, hmm. Uh, well, the heart is like, um, you know, a principal actor. And the will is like uh, a supporting actor. And um, various phenomena of sensations and so forth. They're like uh, the uh, the crew. So how do you work that? Uh, Mr. Liang is uh, stymied. That's how he... He makes this famous Zen gesture. I don't have long sleeves, but if I did, they kind of shake their sleeves out like this. Sort of like, well, I'm, I'm done with this. And he turns and walks away. And, but Master Ma says, oh, hey, Mr. Liang. And Mr. Liang turns around and Ma says, 
from birth to death it's just this and uh, Mr. Liang's eyes get very wide and his mouth gets very wide and um, he has a great insight and the story goes he never gave another lecture He retired to the mountains and was never heard from again. Uh, sometimes words, sometimes silence, sometimes motion, sometimes stillness. Yet from birth to death, there's just this. And that's what we bring to lessen suffering. And that's all you need. So we celebrate that in our zazen practice and our dharma talks and chanting and so forth. And um, each of us conf confronts, encounters different circumstances different occasions to allow our presence, our complete commitment to being present with, with just this. Each of us allows that to Maybe dull the edge of suffering. Reduce the impact of the three marks just by being with people. Dogen wrote the essay on empty space in about uh, 1245, the year 1245, just a few years before his death. And when he was in residence at then the then new monastery at AAG. Although at that time, the place was called Daibutsuji, or Great Buddha Temple. So that essay would, I think, have alarmed many a lecturer or many an Abhidharmist that's not empty space. What's he talking about? 
he's talking about empty space or the teaching of emptiness brought to life. And unless it's brought to life, it's no good to anyone. Okay, so maybe y'all are bored already. And uh, uh, you know, talking on and on gets to be boring for the speaker too, so. Maybe, maybe you have uh, some questions or comments. Oh, Oscar. Thank you very much, Leo. Um, just an observation. Uh, thank you very much for this, these sweet stories and this very direct teaching. Um, my observation is that it's just it's just when beings are suffering, whether they know it or not, um, consciously, um, that it's most difficult to embody that presence. Um, that's just when it's hardest, when it's, you might say, could be most useful. Um, this seems unfortunate to me. Uh, but at the same time, um, I guess uh, sometimes it seems to me that that's uh, that's where the learning occurs too. It, it's that that is a spur, so to speak, to practice and the, the frame, the framework of practice. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Well, um, yeah, when, when circumstances are, you know, very, uh, kind of, uh, dense and, and difficult, then one might have a sense of being more strongly challenged. But it's important to remember, as as Master Ma taught Mr. Liang, it's not something that we do. It's something that we are. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to do this and get real good at it. That's just more stuff. It's when, uh, yeah, I, I, I see that. Um, thanks for pointing that out. Um, I, th- I guess it's when circumstances are dense, uh, I'm most prone to fall back on um, uh, habitual construction of reality as a way to uh, deal with um, what I imagine to be happening. Um, sure, uh, we you know we are creatures of dependent co-arising and creatures of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're describing does not obscure what you are. So I I would suggest that we just trust that. Have faith. Yeah. 
I usually usually the word use the word trust in place of faith, so that it isn't mistaken for some kind of belief. It comes with experience, I think. Another word is sometimes I use the word confidence, born of uh, experience. Mm. Thank you very much. I have a question here in the room. Sure. Oh, that's so much better. Uh, What happened? Nothing. I just hate looking at myself occupying the entire screen. That's okay. Go go ahead. You can hide self-view, you know. Yeah, uh, my computer is misbehaving, so it's not oh, doing that. That's all right. I'll just close my eyes. Well, I, I was, uh, you know, there, I was going to speak, uh, and I don't think you were, uh, you know, denigrating uh, bringing a chair or uh, a glass of water. Oh, God. Correct. <laughs> or, or even looking at yourself on the computer screen. But um, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's a, it's it's just um, it's the best it's the best approximation we can we can offer. <laughs> but uh, there is a story, there's a story about some uh, teacher. I can never remember the names, but uh, he has a couple of attendants, and one one brings him. Um, uh, something and the other brings him something and and he has he, he says something like uh, oh you 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 just the way I think it has to do with the way they brought the thing or anticipated maybe what what he might need mm-hmm. uh, and did it so um, generously and and uh, you know unstintingly that uh, he said they you know, demonstrated you know the marvelous functioning or something you know yeah zen something mm-hmm. buddhist like that yeah so there is that, there is that there is that strain as well yeah uh yeah that's another favorite story and uh i particularly like the way that suzuki roshi uh told it uh which is maybe slightly different than i've seen it Elsewhere, I, I I think if I remember right, that was Master Vaijang and uh, his students Guishan and Yangshan, and Vaijang, um, uh, Master Vaijang is actually he's he's lying down and taking a nap, and he hears the door open of his chamber. Or I think Suzuki actually said cabin. <laughs> and Guishan um, is there. And so Baijang uh, is actually awake, but he's embarrassed to be found lying down. So he pretends to be asleep. And Guishan says, Guishan <laughs> realizes he's not asleep. So he says, oh, don't, don't, don't be embarrassed. I'm just your student. And so Baijang sighs and sits up. And he says, uh, you know, I, I was taking a nap and I had, I had uh, a most uh, interesting dream. And Guishan says, oh? And Baijang says, yes, uh, what do you think it was? And Guishan gets up, leaves the cabin, comes back a minute later with a, a, a bowl of some warm water and a towel and gives it to, to Baijan. And... Um, And then in comes uh, Yangshan, Guishan's Dharma brother. 
another, and also a student of Baijiang. And Baijiang says, Oh, uh, and I were just talking about my dream. And Yangshan says, Oh, is that so? And Baijiang says, What do you think it was? And Yangshan turns around, leaves the cabin, comes back with a cup of tea, and serves it to the teacher. And Suzuki Roshi liked to tell this story in the context of his, his telling people, the more you practice, the more you will have some wonderful power. And that power is illustrated in this story, and the power is what I've been talking about. And even if someone asks us an unlikely question, such as, what do you think my dream was? Where we are present. And that wonderful power moves us. And who knows in what direction, maybe we'll say, how the hell do I know is your dream? Or maybe we'll go fetch a cup of tea. Thank you, uh, Tanto-san, for bringing up that story. Thank you for uh, putting the putting the flesh on the bones. Well, it's almost my bedtime, but is there another question or comment? Oh, hi. I have a question. I'm in mm -hmm. the room also. Okay. I was just going to say, um, you know, when when you're talking you were talking about this being present with the suffering um, of another. But I was just going to say, well, the experience I was having tonight in sitting, I just had this massive experience erupt of really strong anger. And I grew up in Eastern Europe I actually was a refugee from the war in Yugoslavia. So the whole situation right now in Europe is massively triggering. Oh, yes. And my first impulse was to just be like, why am I angry? I'm supposed to be meditating. <laughs> to try to look at Kuan Yin and feel peaceful, to think of loving kindness. And then I realized it's really not my anger, exactly. It's just an energy that's coming through, that's mm -hmm. real for many people. So I can be present with it, just like with being present with another. Mm -hmm. I can be pres <laughs> present with myself and just make the container big enough to be present and not try to suppress it, but let it flame out while holding the container. Mm -hmm. And it's actually yes. very uncomfortable, but there is like a relief in the end. That's just the only way. There mm -hmm. isn't really another way. Mm -hmm. Like suppressing it doesn't do anything. No. no. Uh, at some point, Suzuki she said, uh, you know, sometimes we get angry and maybe one day we will not ever be angry again. That would be great. But until that time, 
what's best is if it's just like a thunderstorm, boom, and then it's gone and there's no trace. So what you're talking about is being present with it so that if necessary, there can be a crash of thunder and then it's gone and there's no trace. I think that's what you're describing. Yeah, and it's a sensation and an experience, not a story. It's not mm-hmm. directed at anyone. It's like right. heightened heart rate, mm-hmm. tingling skin, yes. you know, strong mus- muscle cramps. Yes. And then that's it. It's that's not it. actually different from peaceful breath coming in and out. Quite so. It's not really a question. It's more like a comment. But no, thank you. Th- thank you for sharing that with us. There don't seem to be any more questions here in the room. Okay. Well, maybe then we can we can all go to bed and sleep peacefully and maybe have some interesting dreams and then wake up in the morning and ask some other people, what do you think my dream was? And confuse them utterly. See what they do. Oh, I, uh, I think, you know, wasn't I supposed to do the chant and I forgot? I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Oh, thank you. Well, I can do a chant now.